This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I wonder if I, if I were to invite you up here if anyone would take the opportunity to come and, and stand up here where I stand right now and tell the whole room about the worst things you've ever done in your life, about the worst sins you've ever committed in your life, my expectation is that probably none of us would, would really jump at the opportunity to do something like that. None of us want to be known by the, the worst things we've ever done in our life. Some people, they, they may always think of, about us in, in the worst way possible because of something we did or, or maybe, and most likely, probably something that we said. But there's a man in the scripture who we really only know him by his absolute worst uh, occurrences and his absolute worst traits. And if I were to ask you uh, the question, what do you know about Judas? This morning, I, I would say 99% of the people here would go, well, he was a disciple and he betrayed Jesus. And you would be 100% correct in, in saying that. G Judas was a disciple of Christ who we know went on later to, to directly betray Jesus and deliver him into the hands of those who would, who would put him to death and crucify him. And we make jokes about Judas because of that to this very day. And nobody wants to name their children Judas. Because we know about what, the, what that means, what that reflects. And all we can do at the name Judas, we can only think about betrayal of Christ. I want to I talk to you about Judas this morning. And, and I want to go through what we know about him when we, when we read through the Gospels. There's, there's honestly not a lot of information about Judas when you, when you really think about it. There's a, a little bit of information about Judas specifically, and then there's some information that we, we know about Judas because he was one of the 12 disciples. And so we can gather a little bit of information about what he was like and about what his role was and what he did in life because of that. And so I've got about seven or eight things this morning that I want to go through and I want to learn about Judas, and I want to stop and ask the question, how? How and why do we know these things about Judas? How and why did those things happen in Judas' life? In Luke chapter 6, as we, we see a, a laundry list of, of these 12 disciples, it says, And when it was day, he, meaning Jesus, called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve whom also he named apostles. And then you go through the list, it names uh, all the other 12, and it says, and Judas, the brother of James, and then Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. You know, Judas is so bad that every time the Bible mentions him, they say, well, he was a scoundrel. Judas, the traitor. Judas, the one who would betray. And so I think in a lot of ways, it's so we'll know the difference between him and the other Judas. But what we see here, if we can imagine for just a moment, is we see Judas, uh, while he's mentioned as the traitor, who this Judas is mentioning is Judas, a disciple of Christ. 
not just a disciple of Christ. Uh, there were many disciples who were apparently here at this time or, or multiple disciples. And Jesus went and he chose 12 of them. And he said, these are going to be my disciples. These are going to be my closest confidants. These are going to be these 12 men whom I trust. And the Bible doesn't tell us how Jesus chose these 12 men. I like to think it wasn't by blind guess. I also don't think they brought resumes and, and told them about great things they'd done. It was probably somewhere in the middle. But, but what we know is that Jesus handpicked these men, these 12 men. And while we can't gather a whole lot of information for sure, we, we got to imagine Jesus picked some 12 guys he trusted. We got to imagine if there were quite a few people here, Jesus picked 12 of the better, better people there, I would, I would assume. We know that Judas was, was a hand-selected man of Christ, and, and this selection was not taken easily. It wasn't taken lightly. Jesus knew that in making these selections that these would be men who would be with him day and night. These would be men with whom he would uh, maybe tell things that he wouldn't just tell anybody else. And with that came experiences that not just anybody got to experience. And Judas became witness to these occurrences. And one of the main things that, that Judas became witness to were these miracles. The Bible says that we don't even have written down all the miracles that Jesus performed. But we have some of them. And, and one of those is listed in John chapter 6. And here to set the scene a little bit, there are uh, said that there are 5,000 men. There's women and children also here. They're hungry. And the day begins to come to an end. And one of the disciples, I don't remember if, if the specific one is listed, says, well, Jesus, it's kind of getting late. We probably need to send these people into town to get something to eat. And, and Jesus uh, when he, and then Jesus goes, well, no, we're, we're going to feed these people. That's my words, not, not Jesus, obviously. And, and what happens is Jesus, they, they gather up what food they have, and they see that they have just a few loaves of bread, and they have two fishes. And Jesus decides he's going to feed these 5,000 plus with, with a few loaves of bread and just a couple fishes. And it says that he took the loaves and when he gave, had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And so <clears throat> what I see here in my mind is all these people uh, in like an auditorium type setting, uh, probably you know, all in front of Jesus and Jesus here standing in front of these people with this little basket of, of just a little bit of food. And those disciples, those 12 men, and, and there could have been others, they were tasked with handing out that food to 5,000 plus people. And I see Jesus tear off a piece of bread and, and then cut a piece of fish and put it in a basket. And hand it, he handed it to Judas. And, and Judas took that basket of food and he walked and he over to the multitude of people and he handed it to him and he walked back to Jesus. And he just saw Jesus give him a quarter of what was there. And Jesus cuts off another portion of bread and, and another portion of fish. And Judas goes back and he goes back and forth for, for 5,000 people worth. And he watches this bread. And he watches Jesus take more 
and more and more of it, and, and it never goes away. And he saw him cut that fish over and two little fish over and over again. Judas had a front row seat. You know, I I paid a lot of money to go to a ball game or two in my life. But how, how much would you pay to see something like this? To witness this miracle that Jesus performed. And Judas had a front row seat. He was the man carrying it back and forth. And he, he got to see how faith building that would have been for Jesus to to rip off that bread and, and to cut a piece of that fish. And he, he watched it over and over again till everyone was full. And then the disciples were tasked with gathering up these baskets and there were 12 baskets full of leftovers whenever they got finished. Imagine how faith building that would have been. And the men that were there, the, the people that were there tell us a few verses later, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said... This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. It was so faith-building that the people that were fed there by Jesus said, this, this guy is from heaven. He is not even from earth. This is truly the guy that, we, that has been prophesied about. And they were convinced. It, it was such a faith-building experience to see this miracle that Jesus performed. They, they were convinced. And Judas had a front row seat to that. There he was, handing out these baskets of food to people. Later on in the same chapter, uh, Jesus goes on to, to teach, and he goes on to tell that if you don't eat, my, uh, eat the bread of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, Jesus says. And the Bible tells us that that was a hard thing for those people to hear. It was a hard thing for them to hear, and, and they didn't understand it, and it was difficult for them to comprehend what Jesus was talking about, and that was somewhere in the, in the 50s uh, where, where that verse is located. And then just a few verses later, it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And, and they, they didn't have what it took. They didn't have enough faith. They didn't have enough trust. I don't know what the deal was. But the Bible says when, whenever they heard these teachings that they, they no longer walked with Jesus. But it's evident that Judas stayed by his side. It's evident that the 12 disciples, those apostles, they stayed there with Jesus. Throughout any of these hard teachings or, or difficult things to understand and comprehend. And Judas was there and he stuck by Jesus' side when many others forsook Jesus when many others left there he was and, and he remained loyal to Christ we see that power was given to Judas and this is not <clears throat> specifically for Judas like the other things we've talked about but this was a power that was given to all of those 12 disciples and then, uh, then he in Luke uh, chapter 9 and verse number 1 speaking of Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Let me tell you, Judas wasn't just any other disciple or follower of Christ. He was given a few very special powers and abilities that the average follower of Christ there didn't have. A, a select few of people, these, these 12 men were given this power from Christ. And I suppose Jesus could have selected anybody he wanted to perform 
uh, these miracles or heal the sick or, or cast out devils or have authority over devils or cure diseases. And he chose these 12 men and among those men was Judas. He hand-selected Judas to be a disciple and he hand-selects the man to have power and authority over devils. He hand-selects the man to be able to cure diseases and he hand-selects him to preach the gospel and to go out and he trusts him with, with the living word and he trusts him to go out and heal the sick. I'm, try, I'm trying to illustrate to you, Judas wasn't just some guy off the, off the side of the road. This was a man trusted of Christ. This was a man trusted by the other disciples and by his friends. You know, when it, when it came down to the end and whenever Jesus had realized that someone was going to betray him and when he knew that the plan had to take uh, its course, Jesus had thus said he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. He says this to those disciples. Those same disciples whom he trusted. Those same disciples whom he gave power to and authority to. And the disciples looked one on another. And they looked around at everybody, all 12 of them. And it says they, doubt, they were doubting of whom he spake. They looked at Judas. Those other 11 disciples, they looked at Judas and goes, well, it can't be Judas. Look at what he's done. He's done all these great... He's been here. He's, he's stuck by Jesus' side through thick and thin. We, we've, we've been seeing Judas heal the sick. We've seen Judas cast out devils, maybe. We've seen him preach for Christ. We, we trust this man. The Bible tells us that, uh, and, and we're not going to read this, that the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, is it I? They, they, were, they were more concerned about it's going to be me than it's going to be the guy next to me. They, they trusted the other of the 11 that much. We often look at Judas and we go, boy, this was a dirty, rotten scoundrel who just came in here and betrayed Christ. Now, how, how did this ever happen? And the fact of the matter is, he was there in the inner circle, given power of Christ and trusted by those other 11 so much they were doubting what Jesus said because they trusted him so much. Likewise of the other disciples. And we know that ultimately... He went on to betray Christ, though. Luke records in, early on in the chapter, in the 22nd chapter, then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Here's this man. He was hand-selected by Christ. He, he witnessed all these miracles. Miracles that, that made thousands of people say, this has got to be God. He was there and he saw those things. He had a front row seat. He was given power of Christ. He was trusted by his friends. He was trusted by Christ. And he, he goes on and he betrays him. In the most direct episode of betrayal you can think of, he goes and he, he, he sells Jesus for just a little bit of silver. And it says that, that he sought opportunity to do this. 
And he promised that he would give them. He promised that he would betray them. And he goes on and he hangs himself in the early part of Matthew 27. Then Judas, which had already betrayed him at this point, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the piece of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And, and we, we see Judas' story come to an end at his, his suicidal death. This man who was trusted by Christ, who was there, who was in the inner circle, given power and authority by Christ. And he, he betrays him and he hangs himself. And the question has to be asked. The question has to be answered. And it has to be understood. Why and how? How, how did this happen? How, how did this happen? This man was walking with Christ. Every night they went to sleep next to each other. They woke up. They shared meals together. They spoke every day. He watched these miracles he was, he was trusted by the other disciples. He saw all these things that, that would have been and, and were building his faith. And now he's dead. And he, he's killed himself. And he's a laughingstock for the, for the rest of eternity. And his name is Mud for the rest of eternity. And we look at him and we say, what an awful human, what a terrible person. That's crazy. How, how did this happen? And I've got one reason for how this happened this morning. Judas was dealing with, with a common sin. Judas was dealing with sin. And I want to talk about these fatal flaws that Judas had that, that coincided with this sin that he dealt with. James says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And we see this happen to Judas. We see that, that Judas here gets tempted. He gets drawn away. He gets enticed by the love of money, by greed. You know, you would think this man with, with this stature who was chosen of Christ and who witnessed these miracles and who was trusted by Christ, and if you had heard that he went and hanged himself and betrayed the Son of God, you would think, boy, something bad happened to that guy. What got a hold of him? What happened to this man who tricked him? How, how could this happen? And the fact of the matter is he, he, was, he was greedy. We, we would think it'd have to be some big hairy deal to pull a man like this away from God, and it was just greed. A... a what I would say for today's purposes, a, a run-of-the-mill normal sin. I think if we're all being honest with ourselves today, we would all say that we've dealt with greed. We've all thought, boy, it'd be nice to have a little bit more money. Haven't we all thought that at some point? Maybe we keep a little, uh, uh, little bit of time on our, our time card at work, make a little bit of extra money. Fudge on our time just a little bit. 
Say we were working, because we, we we'd just be a little bit more money. Maybe we weren't fair when we, when we bought something from somebody or sold something to somebody. It's just a little bit more money. And this was the same thing that Judas was going through. He just wanted a little bit more money. The Bible tells us that, that Judas carried the bag. And, and what that means is that Judas basically carried Jesus' wallet around. And he was in charge of the money. He was in charge of, of buying the things that they needed. He was in charge of whenever they sold something or, or somebody sold something and, and they put that money there with, with the disciples and with Christ. It was his responsibility to oversee those funds. I think it goes to show a little bit more of the trust that they had for, for Judas and the fact that they had a tax collector in their midst in Matthew. Yet Judas was the one chosen to carry the money. It may say more about Matthew, I don't know, but... They, they chose Judas to carry the money. We trust him that much. He ain't going to steal none. Let's give it to Judas. And when, he, when that happened, he saw this temptation. And he desired it. And you'd think, well, maybe, maybe Jesus was, was bringing in a lot of money, you know. Jesus was performing these miracles. Maybe they were rolling through a lot of money. But the Bible tells us Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. I don't think it was a lot of money they were going through. I think they had the bare essentials. I don't think they had won the lottery and Judas was trying to steal uh, thousands and, and millions of dollars. The greed that, that Judas had and that consumed Judas was, was greed over a few bucks. Over maybe a hundred dollars here and there. Over, over 20 bucks here and there. Let me tell you, Judas reminds me a lot of us, if, if we'll be honest with ourselves. You know, we ask how and why could this happen to a man who, who had everything going his way. Everything was, was built for Judas' success. But you know, we look around here today, and I, and I trust every one of you here with my wallet. I, I'd give it to all of you in a heartbeat, except maybe Logan. <laughs> You know, we, a lot of us, we've been baptized into Christ. We're, we're a, a faithful follower of Christ. We're, we're here to worship. Doesn't that not show our sincerity? We may be fighting with some, with some normal sin that, that everybody deals with or that a lot of people deal with. We have the Bible. We, we can sit here and read every one of the miracles that are written down. And, and maybe we don't have that front row seat, but we, we got access to read those anytime we want. And witness them through the living word. We've seen other people give their lives to Christ. I think we, just like Judas, have everything we need for success. We have no excuse today to not be successful in our walk with Christ. We've got, we've got the living word. An option and an item that Judas did not have. Judas did not have the New Testament written down. And, and we do. There's a leg up we've got on this man. We have everything that we need. We're, we're a lot like Judas. We, we, got, we got it going our way, don't we? I believe Judas was a good man. I do. I believe he was a, a good man who wanted to follow Christ. Who, who desired uh, Christ. 
who faithfully followed him for uh, an undisclosed amount of time. And sin drove a wedge between him and God. And it pulled him away. And it grabbed hold of him. I want to highlight for you Judas's four fatal flaws. Now, there could be other fatal flaws uh, that Judas had that you might think of. These were the four that I'd like to talk about this morning. Four areas in which had Judas spent a little more time worrying about this and a little less time worrying about carrying the bag and the money, that it's almost certain his, his story would be one that ended differently. And the first of those is Judas's positioning for this sin Then saith one of the disciples, this is shortly before Judas betrays Jesus. This is shortly before Jesus goes on to be crucified. And uh, the disciples are in this setting. And we have this woman who wants to, uh, the Bible says she has this uh, valuable perfume. And she wants to anoint Jesus with this perfume. Then saith one of the disciples, Judas, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And, and John records that Judas, he says, this he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. And we see this where Judas is starting to position himself where he can commit this sin. He's starting to make it easy for himself and convenient. Now, I don't know, I I mentioned that he was trusted enough of the disciples to carry the bag, and I believe that to be true. What we don't know is, was the bag given to him? Was the bag thrust upon Judas, and it was just his responsibility? I mentioned there was a tax collector there with him. I suppose it's possible that Judas asked for the bag. That Judas said, no, I'll, I'll carry the money. I'll take care of that. Nevertheless, if, if either's the case or if neither's the case, we see Judas starting here to position himself to commit these sins. He's over here and he's, he's able to make it easy now. now. It seems to be an irregular occurrence for somebody to sell something and then for them to give that money to the poor. It seems to be a normal, everyday thing. And now Judas is here and he's in situations and he's... he's and, and Jesus does kind of rebuke him here after this. But he's over here and he's telling Jesus, the Son of God, hey, don't you think we should be selling that and giving that to the poor? We, we can put 300 pence in the bag. And he knows all along that it, when he does that, he's going to take 50 of them or, or 10 or 20 or however much and he's going to put it in his own pocket. And we see Judas making it easy for himself, making it convenient to commit this sin. I believe that is Judas' first fatal flaw. Romans 13 and 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The the scriptures teach and warn against this, about giving yourself positioning to commit sin and making it easy for us to commit sin. 
What Paul's trying to warn us here is if you make it easy for yourself to commit sin, you will commit sin. If you give yourself an easy opportunity to commit sin, you're not strong enough to keep away and to stay away from that temptation. You will fail. The word provision there comes from the word provide. That's kind of the root word of that word provision. And what we think of there is providential, a providing care or supply for sin. What Judas was doing is he was, he was supplying for that sin. And, and I spoke about this probably six or nine months ago. And we talked about a farmer who gives providential care and supply to his crop. And he waters it and he fertilizes it and he keeps the weeds back. Because he wants it to grow and flourish. And parents, they, they give providential care and supply to their children. Because they want them to succeed. They want them to grow. And what we see is Judas doing this exact same thing. He's carrying the bag. He's positioning himself for sin. And he's, he's making sure that there's money in the bag. So that he can funnel some of that money. He's, he's positioning himself and making sure he has that opportunity to sin. Tell you, it doesn't matter how strong you are today. If you position yourself and make it easy to sin, you will sin. Judas teaches us that, and I, I, I assume our own lives have taught us that at times. If we make sin convenient, sin will, will certainly find us. The next of Judas' four fatal flaws is that Judas let that sin go unchecked. And I hate to say that any of these are more fatal than the others, but this one, to me, is particularly dangerous. Paul tells us in Romans, For the good that I would do, that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present within me. Paul illustrates how he wants to do good, but he keeps finding himself committing sin. He keeps finding himself doing and committing sins that he doesn't want to commit. And I think we see Judas in this situation. I don't think Judas wanted to do this. I don't think he wanted to be in sin. I think we see an array in how this morphs and how this grows, this sin problem in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11 where it says, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. And what I imagine is that Judas began this sin problem and he, he had this easy opportunity to sin and he had the bag and there was money right there in it. And he said, nobody will know. I'll, I'll just take, I'll take one dollar and put it in my pocket. And then he, he found himself doing the thing he didn't want to do. Committing the sin he didn't want to commit. And then as that progressed and he, he began to take more and more money out of the bag. He found this lust and this problem and he had this war going on in his heart and in his soul. War. And we often don't, don't think about the word war with what that means. War is, is bloody. War is nasty. War is difficult. War is hard. This is what was going on in the heart of Judas. As he let this sin continue to go unchecked. Hebrews says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you 
an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And we see as the sin continues to go unchecked, and as, as Judas continues to allow this to happen, I believe he becomes, to get, uh, becomes more and more hardened through that sin and through the deceitfulness of that sin. And how it's slowly pulling him away from Christ day after day. Take heed, brethren, Hebrews tells us. Don't be tricked. Be careful, beware, Hebrews tells us. Lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Let me tell you, Judas did not heed some of the basic teachings that Jesus taught that could have saved him a world of trouble, a world of iniquity. Judas didn't get help. Judas didn't try to get an accountability partner. Judas wasn't thinking about not making a provision for the flesh. I don't know how long this sin went on for Judas. The Bible doesn't tell us that. It could, have been, it could have been days, weeks, months, years. Probably months would be my assumption. And as the sin grew and grew and grew, he, how many chances did he have? How many nights did he go to sleep on the ground? With Jesus just over there. And he could have said, Jesus, I need help. I got, I got problems, I got trouble. He could have gone to any of the other disciples. He had 11 options. He could have gone to any of them. I need help. Keep me accountable. He didn't try to give the bag to anybody else. We don't see these things recorded is what I'm trying to say. We, we, don't, we don't know that he tried to give the bag to anybody else or try to take that sin and, and push it further away from him. Which is what I believe this is, among the four is, is, is very, very dangerous. That he continued to let this sin go unchecked. He, he woke up day after day knowing what he did was wrong. Knowing what he was doing what was wrong. Knowing that in asking for this woman to sell this perfume and, and give the money to the poor was wrong. But he had been hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Judas' third fatal flaw is that he thought he was fooling God and he thought that all of it was hidden. A simple verse here where the disciples and Jesus are sitting down and Jesus is talking to them and he's talking about the Lord's Supper and Judas, uh, rather Jesus says that he knows that one of them will betray him. And he's aware of this fact, and he's aware of what's about to happen. And I'm not going to get into the sop. Uh, Jesus, what he basically does, whoever I give this piece of bread to, he's the one that's going to betray me. He, and, and Judas ends up with that bread, and he, he knows that it's going to be Judas at this point. And he goes and he, he gives it to, to, uh, to Judas. And he says, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. And imagine the hair on, on the back of your neck standing up if you're Judas. And you think you're hidden. You think it's secret. 
You, you don't think nobody knows. You don't, you don't think anybody's on to you. And Jesus walks up and he says, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. The next chapter in Hebrews says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest or obvious in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Let me tell you, while, while Judas didn't have the opportunity to open up the New Testament and to read about the teachings of Jesus, he was there firsthand. He, he listened to him live and in action. He sat down with Jesus. He, he slept near Jesus. He was with him probably near 24-7 for some time. And the Bible says that, that, that Jesus, the Word, is a discerner. It's powerful, it's sharp, and that all things are obvious in the sight of our Lord. Tell you, Judas, thought he, Judas thought he was fooling all of them, I suppose. He, he thought everything was hidden. He thought he had everybody fooled and everything was going his way. But Jesus had him figured out. Jesus knew what was going on. Judas' final fatal flaw is his sorrow and his inability to repent his unwillingness to repent maybe or his failure in repentance in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 9 it says now I rejoice not that you were made sorry but that ye sorrowed to repentance for you were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. We see this sorrow in Judas. The sorrow of the world, a sorrow that works death and destruction. And we all have this choice to make when we sin and when we fail. And when we commit sin against God. That we can come to God with, with the sorrow from God. Or we can go and we can choose the route of, of sorrow of the world, which works death. I find that, that Judas reminds me in, in an opposite fashion of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, we, we read about this prodigal son. And I, I believe that this man here is, is a perfect example of godly sorrow. And we know what happened, this, this uh, younger son, he went away, he asked for his father's inheritance, and he went and spent it all on riotous living, Luke tells us. And we know that he would rather be fed with the food from the hogs, and he, he goes through this process, and he tells us in verse 17, and when he came to himself, when he realized what, what he had done, Luke tells us when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? He says, I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. 
Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. What a beautiful example of, of godly sorrow. This sorrow has, has no pride. This sorrow has no ego. This sorrow only has trust for the Lord. Desire to please the Lord. And no desire to serve and please self. It says he, he came to himself. And this prodigal son had, had this turning point. And there was this point when everything clicked and everything made sense and he realized the sin that he committed. He came to himself. And he says, I will arise and go to my father. And he arose and he went to the father. This prodigal son had, had godly sorrow figured out and he went to the only place that supplies forgiveness. And then we see Judas's example. And Judas, when he betrayed Christ, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Judas realized what he had done. Judas said, I have betrayed and that I have I have sinned, rather, in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. He realized the wrong that he had done. He realized the problem that he had just caused. And in an opposite manner, or in this, in this case, in a similar manner to the prodigal son, when he saw that he was condemned, he, he saw the problem, he saw the need, he saw the issue, and he saw the sin in his life. He confessed, and, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Judas says. But Judas doesn't go to the one place that, that supplies forgiveness. Matthew tells us that he, he brought that silver back to the chief priests and elders. And an attempt to undo what he did and an attempt to make his conscience feel better. It, it's hard to say. But what we see is the sorrow of the world. And we know and we're confident that this sorrow that Judas had worked death. The, the point I want to make with, with all of this about Judas is that if, if it can happen to Judas, if it can happen to this man who, who witnessed these miracles that Christ performed, who, who was hand-selected by Christ and given power by Christ and authority over devils, it can happen to us. James 1 and 14 and then 15, we didn't read it, but it says every man is tempted. Every man is subject to these temptations. Everyone will undergo these temptations. The Bible says they'll be tempted and drawn away by their own lust. It may not be greed. It may be something else. And the Bible says that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And then when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. The Bible doesn't say that the worst sin of betraying Jesus brings forth death or, or murder brings forth death. It says that sin brings forth death. Whether it be greed or gossip or murder or drunkenness or being a thief. 1 Peter 2 and 11 says that we need to abstain from these fleshly lusts because they war against the soul. 
Here, tell you, if, if, if these fleshly lusts, if they'll war against the soul of Judas, they will war against your soul. Second Corinthians says that the sorrow of the world worketh death. And if we, like Judas, don't go to Christ, don't go to our Lord and Savior and look to Him for our forgiveness, and we look within, or if we look to other men of this world, or if we look and try to undo the things that we've done on our own, we, like Judas, Judas will, will work death through that form of repentance, or sorrow, rather. And Hebrews tells us that we need to beware. We need to be on the lookout. We need to be careful. It says, take heed, brethren, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. If you take the steps that Judas took in your life today, if you position yourself for these sins, if you, if you uh, allow that sin to go unchecked, if, if you think you're fooling God or hiding anything from God this morning, and if you look to yourself for forgiveness, if you allow yourself to be hardened and deceived by this sin, it will work death. The Bible tells us over and over again. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And we see Judas, this man who, who we would have said for a long time loved the Lord. He loved Christ. He, he was a faithful follower of him. Others left and they fled at Christ's teachings. They didn't understand it and they didn't have what it took to stay by Christ's side. And Judas stayed there and he followed him. And he allowed this sin into his life. And it got to the point where you, you can say this about Judas directly. He had a choice to make. He, you can love the one and you can hate the other. You can hold to the one and you can despise the other. And Judas chose to serve self. He chose to hate Christ. He chose to despise Christ. And he proves it in his betrayal. This morning, as we get ready to close, don't position yourself for sin. This is the first step in Judas' problems. This is the first area in which, had he avoided that positioning for sin, he, he may have avoided this entire thing, and half the men in here may have been named Judas. I don't know. But he positioned himself for that sin. Don't, don't position yourself for sin this morning. He, he continued to let that sin go unchecked. And he went to sleep night after night, mere feet away from the Son of God, feet away from these other faithful followers and disciples of Christ. And he didn't get help. He, he didn't ask for them to pray with him. He, he didn't ask for them to help him be accountable for those problems, for those struggles, for those difficulties. He, he tried to do it all on his own. He, he thought he could fix it. He thought he was hiding from God. And he thought that his problems were hidden. 
Don't let your sin go unchecked today. If you found yourself positioned for sin and and letting it go unchecked, I, I strongly, strongly urge you to get help. Do not think that you're hiding anything from God. Hebrews chapter 4 and 12th and 13 verse tells us that all things are manifest to Christ. They are obvious. Our God sees everything. He knows it. He knows the intents and the desires of your heart. Work the sorrow of God and not the sorrow of the world. You look at Peter and he he denies Christ. You look at the other ten disciples and they they forsook him and fled when the when they came to get Jesus with swords and staves. The other disciples they all forsook him and fled. Judas betrays him and and he doesn't look to Christ for forgiveness. He doesn't look to our Lord for forgiveness. He, he worked the sorrow of the world. A, a small sin. It, it was greed. It was just a little bit of greed. He, he wasn't making bukus of money off of this greed. He wasn't going to be rich off this amount of greed. He was just funneling a little bit of money from this small bag And if it can happen to Judas, rest assured it can happen to you and I. If it can happen to this man who, who was handpicked by the Son of God. If it, ha- if it can happen to this man who was given power of Christ to cast out devils. If it can happen to this man who, who witnessed all these faith-building miracles that Jesus performed. It can happen to you and I. Take heed, brethren, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It will trick you. It will lie to you. It will tell you, you can fix this on your own. It will tell you, take that silver back to the chief priests and make all this better. If you're positioned for sin this morning, I urge you to get help. If you're letting your sin go unchecked this morning, I urge you to let it to get help. If you think that you're fooling God this morning with your sin and with your problems, I urge you to get help with that sin. If you work the sorrow of the world this morning, rest assured it will work death. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com. Or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.